Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include the impending move in credit prices, my interview with Peter Idziak on the direction of mortgage interest rates in the months in your head, and the latest inflation rating. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Loan Care. Loan Care has successfully navigated clients and homeowners through market change for 40 years. The mortgage subservicer is known for delivering superior customer experience through personalization and convenience. Its award winning portfolio management tool, Loan Care Analytics, supports MSR investors with a focus on customer engagement, liquidity, and credit risk. Loan Care is part of Fidelity National Financial, a Fortune 500 company and leading provider of services to real estate aid and mortgage industries. One of the discussion topics out there is certainly the impending move in credit prices, as lenders everywhere move toward charging borrowers up front. Whether the cost change is driven by Fair Isaac or the credit bureaus, or then being passed along by the CRAs, it doesn't matter. It's coming and the jungle drums are saying the price change will impact soft credit pulls, which, of course, many lenders implemented to reduce their costs, but the amount of credit reports run as it's cheaper than the full hard credit pull. Some lenders may use Fannie or Freddie AUS. For more information on that story, as well as the latest employment, wholesale group wanted, and transitions, lender and broker software, products and services, and government programs on the go, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Polensky Vital Greens, Peter Idziak, to talk about the direction of mortgage interest rates in the months in your head and what to make of the NAR case verdict's impact on the home buying process. I'll start by asking you kind of the the thing that's on everybody's mind, and that's that's how high interest rates are. Your mortgage rates are at a 20-plus year high, and even if we've seen uh, headline relief, oh, rates are down to 75 or 7.675%. Still, for many borrowers, rates with loan-level price adjustments end up being above 8%. In your opinion, is there any relief in sight? You know, uh, Robbie, I I do think so. And I think we may have uh, seen the high point uh, of rates uh, earlier this month. Uh, in the last month. So because the main driver of higher mortgage rates uh, in this cycle has been the Fed's rate raising campaign to fight inflation. And this is no accident. The Fed has explicitly stated that one of its goals is to cool a historically hot housing market that has contributed significantly to inflation. Uh, Thankfully, though, the Fed appears to be near the end of its rate hikes, if not already have ended, as it held rates steady at both its September and November meetings. Um, caveat there, Chairman Powell did reiterate following the November meeting that the Fed retains the option of further rate increases should the data warrant it. And at an IMF panel last week, uh, you know, reiterated that inflation given the Fed a few head fakes, his words. So I think what will be key going forward is uh, between now and the December meeting that we will have both the November and December CPI numbers out. And that'll really be key in what the Fed does. Uh, for the market right now, uh, it believes that you know by holding rates steady at in the September and November meetings, the Fed has effectively single signaled that it was done raising rates. So the fading concerns about these future rate hikes have been removed much of the upper pressure on mortgage rates. And we're already seeing, as you said, uh, rates drop back towards that 7.5, 7.6%. Now, uh, that's following largely on the Treasury yields, which uh, were almost 5% uh, prior to the November 
uh, Fed meeting and are now had gone down to four, four and a half and have rebounded slightly. Um, so, you know, uh, don't don't hold me to this, but it does seem like, uh, you know, the high point, the high watermark may have been reached and uh, we may be seeing rates slowly uh, trend back down. I saw some stuff in the press this week that, that we're actually starting to see divergent expectations when it comes to rate cuts in 2024. Uh, I think Morgan Stanley sees the Fed making deep cuts over the next couple of years, while Goldman Sachs sees a reduction starting later in the fourth quarter of next year, followed by uh, quarterly cuts into mid-2026. Uh, all that stuff introduces volatility into the market. And as we go further out, the the certainty of expectations become less and less. So I want to focus a little more on the near term with you. And I'll ask you, what do you, what do you think is going to happen for the rest of 2023? You know, we got we got about 45 days left here. Uh, what do you think is going to happen this year? And then as as we move into the start of 2024, uh, what are you thinking and, and why? Well, uh, uh, you know, as you know, there's sort of a wide variety of, uh, you know, professional prognosticators and, and what they're predicting. Um, so that kind of volatility does give a lot of room for, you know, rates to move up and down. Um, as I said previously, I think we've seen a high watermark. I, I believe MBA uh, expects rates to hit 7.2% by the end of the year. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, given more recent data that we'll get there. But I would expect for, for 2023 that we end, you know, under seven and a half. Now, having said that, um, aside from the Fed, you know, there are concerns about U.S. monetary policy and whether Congress can pass a 2024 budget and avoid a shutdown. So, you know, if, if uh, the government shuts down for the remainder of the year and sort of all bets are off on that. And you know, to that note, uh, on Friday after market close, Moody's downgraded the outlook of the nation's debt to negative. Um, right now, you know, we're speaking Monday, November 13th. Uh, the market really hasn't moved much on that. Uh, but, you know, if, if there is a government shutdown, then that is something that can really, uh, you know, spike volatility and keep rates elevated. Uh, however, you know, I would say that what we're also dealing with is a historically high spread between the 30 year uh, fixed and 10 year treasuries. So I think. You know, as we see this uh, more clarity that the Fed has done raising rates, that that spread are narrow. So even if the Fed holds uh, its target rate constant at the December meeting, you know, I do think that on balance we're going to see rates, um, up, you know, under seven and a half by the end of the year. Uh, 2024, of course, you know, then you start projecting more and more out. Uh, it, it gets harder to say. Um, some, you know, I, I've seen uh, are predicting that a recession, uh, mild recession starts in the first half of 2024. Uh, some uh, other uh, smart folks are in what they call the higher for longer camp. And they believe that the Fed and other central banks need to keep rates elevated for longer than maybe the market expects to ensure that inflation is sustainably brought down. So, you know, there's there's this thought, I think, that once the Fed is done raising rates, then, you know, one meeting, two meetings, hence, they begin to cut rates. And that isn't a given. So you could see rates held constant for longer than a lot of participants uh, imagine. But, you know, again, like it's so far out that 
the one thing that I would say that at least in our market that we're seeing is, um, you know, rent increases are really starting to flatline. And that is a main driver in the uh, in the Fed's inflation numbers. So seeing that, I, you know, on balance think that by mid 2024, we'll be back under 7%. You mentioned starting to see rents flatline a little bit there. I want to ask you, generally speaking, what are the implications of these higher rates on the housing market kind of overall uh, obviously we've seen a lot of pain for for lenders out there on the and on the borrower side everyone's talking about the lack of affordability uh, but but maybe uh add a little color to what I just said please well, sure. Um, you know, it uh, depends on where you are in the, in the country, but in a lot of areas, uh, a lot of indexes say, you know, now is a, is a better time to rent than buy because of those affordability issues. Um, but as rates come down, then that can trip that into, you know, being better to buy than to, to rent. Um, so what we're seeing, at least for home buyers, is that if you are kind of considering buying, that um, as rents sort of uh, flatline and remain constant, you know, don't see much in appreciation. Home uh, prices generally follow along with that. Um, I think CoreLogic's uh, home price index uh, last month, uh, or for September, sorry, uh, forecast that nationwide home prices will only increase by 2.6% over the next year. Uh, this past year, it was 4.5. So you're not necessarily seeing home prices come down, um, but you're seeing them sort of uh, come back to the normal and overall rate of inflation, which um, which is is good from an affordability context. Um, beyond that, you know, I would say that um, there are always creative financing options available to home buyers. It's it's interesting to me that arms right now make up about. 10% of the overall origination volume. But you look at the average rates on a 5-1 arm, and they're currently about three quarters to a full point lower than the average 30-year fixed. So if you are a borrower who thinks that you know, rates will move down over the next five years, uh, it seems like a, a decent bet to you know look into an adjustable rate mortgage is something that would give you sort of that you know that lower rate now and for the next few years and then allow you to refinance uh, in the future and get you into a home um, you know because you are still seeing price appreciation in most areas so you know waiting five years uh, may put you in a worse position than buying now um, with what is a you know not historically a high rate but over the last you know, five years as a high rate. I know your expertise is is much more on the regulatory and compliance side of things. So before I let you go, I want to ask you, you know, we've had this big $1.8 billion NAR settlement here in recent weeks. Do you see that impacting uh, the housing market as we move forward or, or the, the, the structure of the way transactions are done? What's What's your opinion on that? You know, it's um, it's it's hard to say, and I, and I don't think um, any of the settlements have been uh, made public yet with the parties that did settle uh, so far in various cases, uh, because it would be interesting to see whether their business models change. I do know that speaking to uh, a realtor, one of the major brokerages, that that they've sort of been told, um, you know, it's it's business as usual for now. Um, that they're not changing any of their their policies or commission structures, but there is uh, more of an effort to disclose uh, how the relationships function, how the commissions uh, are sort of negotiated up front. 
but on the on the sort of the mortgage lender side, what is being talked about uh, now is that you know the way that these transactions have always been structured is that in a sense the commissions are for both the seller and buyer's agent are baked into the sales price. And then out of that, you know, out of the proceeds of the sale, the seller pays the seller's agent and the buyer's agent. So if you take that buyer's agent piece out, you know, sort of regardless of whether it's going to be that traditional 3% uh, that a buyer's agent gets, and you know, let's say you negotiate it down, and you are a a buyer that needs to finance that, you know, you're a VA borrower, um, you're, you're FHA home, uh, first time home buyer, and you don't have a lot of equity to put down, you know, how can you finance that? And to date, there really hasn't been uh, much, if any, guidance uh, from uh, the government agencies or from regulators about how you deal with that. So the whole sort of structure of how homes, uh, you know, are bought and sold in this country uh, is, is in a sense, baked into, you know, like points and fees and um, everything else that goes on the regulatory side. It was always this assumption that sort of that, that the seller uh, pays for both. So if that changes, um, I think the industry is going to struggle for a little bit uh, to figure out how you um, allow a, a buyer to finance you know, the the costs of paying a buyer's agent. Um, beyond that, you would probably see, in my opinion, um, a reduction in the percentage of commissions. You know, I, one of the arguments, and I think one of the reasons that this is coming uh, to the forefront now, is that you have home prices nationwide that I think are up like 41% you know, since 2020. And you have realtors that are you know, getting a percent-based commission on this. So they're making a lot more money for effectively doing, you know, the same work. I know some people would say in this market, like less work, but it's uh, it's interesting that in that industry, you know, whereas in the mortgage industry, you a lot of, see a lot of competition that are pulling prices down, bringing prices down, that for uh, realtors, that it's been a boon to them. And, you know, you really have seen them increase their compensation in what should be a market that, you know, over time you hope becomes more efficient, which leads to lower uh, prices for, for buyers and sellers. Now, do I think that the changes or any changes in commission will really change, you know, uh, home prices? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, uh, my, my inclination from talking to some, some realtors um, is that, that although they may think and see and expect that their commissions will, will decrease a bit, that they don't really see that it'll swing home prices in one direction or another. Very well put. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And uh, I'm sure I'll have you back on the podcast to talk more about it. So Peter, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, my pleasure. Recall that last week closed with investors digesting hawkish rhetoric from Fed Chair Powell. Though MBS and Treasuries rebounded on Friday from Thursday's auction-driven slide, even with Fed Chair Powell once again dashing investor hopes of the Fed easing policy in the near term, stating that the FOMC would leave the door open for additional rate hikes should economic data show inflation remains elevated, it's safe to say the U.S. economy has entered a wait-and-see period. Ahead of today's highly anticipated October CPI report, the New York Fed survey of consumer expectations yesterday showed a decline in one-year and five-year-ahead inflation expectations, which conflicted with Friday's University of Michigan sentiment survey, showing increasing inflation expectations amongst consumers. Regardless, Treasuries also digested a Moody's downgrade of the U.S. credit outlook to negative from stable reasonably well, 
Moody's on Friday cited the mounting debt and the rising cost of servicing that debt. With several Federal Reserve officials warning investors last week that additional rate hikes may lay ahead, investors opened the week looking ahead to today's October CPI report, where analysts anticipated that the annualized headline reading would would drop to 3.3% from 3.7% previously. Today's economic calendar kicked off with NFIB small business optimism for October before the all-important October CPI report. Headline CPI was flat, up 3.2% year-over-year. The core rate, excluding food and energy, was up 0.2% for the month and up 4% for the year. Several Fed speakers are scheduled to speak later today, including Vice Chair Jefferson, Vice Chair of Supervision Barr, Cleveland President Mester, and Chicago President Goolsby. We begin the day with agency MBS prices, better by a quarter to three-eighths, and the 10-year yielding 4.49 after closing yesterday at 4.63% after a stellar CPI number. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. What's the opposite of pro? Con. So what's the opposite of progress? Congress. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Loan Care, the mortgage subservicer known for delivering superior customer experience through personalization and convenience. Its award-winning portfolio management tool, Loan Care Analytics, supports MSR investors with a focus on customer engagement, liquidity, and credit risk. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.